1: Back. This is the Wes and Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNZ broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at PlanetKiaNC.com. Also, if you're enjoying the nonsense that we're spewing at you today, or you missed it and want to catch up on it, just Download the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, WFNZ app, wherever you get your podcasts, download Wes and Walker. All right, man, Curry last night, and I want to preface this by saying that his entire career, and Curry's one of my favorite players, I consider him a Queen City icon for sure. And so I've always, one of the things, one of my only gripes about Steph has always been I've wanted him to have that game. Mm -hmm. And he's had opportunities to do so. Whether it was Game 7 against the Cavs, some of the huge playoff games, I just wanted him to have that LeBron, no smile, go in and just put up something crazy on somebody to where he says, I am the one. You will know on this day that I'm one of the greatest to ever put on sneakers. And he had that game yesterday, going 20 for 38, 7 of 18 for three point from three-point land, tying the NBA record in the game seven for three points, three-pointers made, eight rebounds, six assists, and an NBA record for points scored in a game seven with 50 big ones. I was super excited. Hostile environment. Curry went in there, no smiles, no shenanigans until he got the game. And then I really loved. When he looked at the crowd, mouthpiece hanging out of the mouth and said, y'all not ready for this ish. He said, light the beam. This is the type of Curry performances I have been wanting. What were your thoughts on such a just powerful performance? By yeah, Steph Curry?
2: I know. it. It's a reminder that Steph Curry is one of the best of all time. And that debate could be had. I don't know what else you want to see. Don't know if you want to put him top 10. Or just top 15, maybe would have put him higher. I don't know. But what we are watching is one of the best players of all time. We are quite literally watching the best shooter ever. And for him to be doing this at his age, to keep that Golden State dynasty alive. I mean, you think about it. Steph Curry right now is 35 years old. And so when you look at LeBron doing everything he is... It's crazy impressive. And LeBron has a lot more mileage on him in the NBA because he comes out in high school. You're talking about 82-game seasons. From 2003 on, making deep playoff runs before Steph Curry, who, yeah, an older player getting drafted because he went to Davidson and did that whole thing. So he's doing the 35, at most, games per season and not even getting there because you have to make that tournament run every single season. So LeBron and Steph, though, both of them, being as great as they are at 35 is remarkable. I I, I think when you talk about wanting to see this type of performance from him, we've seen something like this before. Like I can even go back. I don't even think you have to go too far away. Game six, he took care of business last year to, to solidify the championship for them. And that was a monster championship. When you talk about Steph Curry doing it before Kevin Durant comes back and then KD comes back and then they win their other titles, right? So you have three total. KD gets the finals MVP a couple of seasons, and then you also have Andre Iguodala win it one of those years, right? Steph Curry, that was the thing always held against him. But then game six against Boston, he goes for 34 in the game clincher. He shot close to 60% from both the field and three-point range. I still thought that was another moment that's a checkpoint in his journey to being one of the greatest in history.
1: Yeah, see, yeah, 34 is great. No question about it. But I I want total... Annihilation, 45 and up. Even though I'll take a little Are over 40. I'm groups, greedy like I that. I don't respect you unless wa- you give no, me 40. No, no, <laughs> no, but I wanted just one of those just performances for the ages. Yeah, 34 is phenomenal. In a championship setting, no doubt. But when you start hitting that 45 and that 50 mark on the road, oh, that, that's what I've been seeing. I love that performance that he had in game six, no question. 50. I mean, that's just total obliteration. I'm coming in. Assassin status. All right. So let's talk about it. Is he truly a a one of one? Because, in my opinion, at this point, if you don't consider him top 10, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because. As a man with an 11-year-old, and I take my son to work him out training for basketball, all I see are kids coming in jacking up 30-foot traits. And you know the deal back in the day. You used to yell out your favorite player when you would hit a shot that was similar to what they could do. you curry, curry when they're shooting it from way back there. And so will we ever see a guy like this again? Because I don't think so.
2: Oh, yeah. It's going to be tough. He's a remarkable shooter. The the fact that he can do it, whether it's spot-ups, off of the dribble, coming off of screens— it's insane. His ability to shoot, and he was making some tough shots yesterday. There was the flip what flip shot Oh yeah. Ugh. Well and that's too the the ability to finish at the rim despite him not being this athletic, you know, uh, this athletic specimen, right? It's the constant Bryce Young, Steph Curry comparison that we get. Is it seeing Bryce Young so good, despite not having an elite physical trait, you wouldn't say Steph Curry has an elite physical trait. He's got the great shooting touch, the best ever, and he does have an awesome ability to finish at the rim, despite not really taking your punishment at the rim. He just flips it over you because it's, it's really hard to block. Yeah. Is he one of one? Of course I, if we see anything else like him, it's going to be a long time. I I think that's part of the allure of Steph Curry though. Right. It's a lot easier to say we won't see anybody else like LeBron James because of how long he's doing it because it's harder to think of that athletic build to ever come across the NBA again. Uh, we can see Steph Curry bodies come back into the NBA, but is anybody going to be as good of a shooter as him? It's, it seems like it can be attainable, but also that would be disrespectful to what he's accomplished compared to everybody else. Right. That, that's the, that is the cognitive dissonance, if you will, in my brain, like, okay, wait, Steph Curry, you feel like there can be somebody like him to come elsewhere from, from anywhere and go to the NBA and have that ability, but we haven't seen it since then. Now, You know, still, I guess, a younger history. We are talking, what, 20 years since we've seen real Steph? Not even that. So maybe as time goes on, but it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard.
1: I mean, it was tremendous. I talked about yesterday, Bryce and I go out for a workout. We come in. We're making sure we're getting in to watch the game. Then we sit on the couch. And by the time we both got settled Mm -hmm. after getting in and all of those things, we get to see the end of the second quarter through the rest of the game. And we sit on the couch and we watch – the Warriors game, followed that up with the Bruins game in a historic upset. And I told him, I said, Bryce, this is something that you and I will always remember. I said, when I'm old and crusty <laughs> and we're sitting there, we see the highlights from these games. We will say, man, I remember us sitting there watching this when this happened, exactly where we were. Did you feel like, and I know you didn't watch the hockey game, but even with Curry, I mean, it's like, do we even realize what we're watching sometimes? We get so much sports. We get so much information on a daily basis that to see a treasure like that, the greatest game seven in the history of the NBA. I mean, this is something going out in the history books that, as I said, 20, 30 years from now, Lord willing, we're all still living and breathing that we will say, man, I remember watching that game. Do you feel like that when you watch games like that? Did you feel like that yesterday yeah. when you were watching Curry get down? And I, I felt the same way watching the Bruins game. No, I
2: did. I thought Steph Curry. I think there are a few games that you'll remember from him. One is the excellent Mike Breen call from Steph Curry hitting it at the logo against Oklahoma City. Remember that and when, against, you know, yes. when they're coming back. That's I remember one. where
1: I was when that happened. Sure,
2: I'll remember that. You'll remember the championships won even though those were Kevin Durant moments at the very end, right? Especially Mm -hmm. with them winning finals MVP. I'll remember the Kings game. I'll remember game six with golden state able to win that fourth championship. This was certainly one that you'll remember. If he goes for 50, a playoff career high for him. um,
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll remember where I was for that one. Yeah. All right. So before we get out of here and go to break though, got to hit on it. Are the warriors your pick now to win the West and how excited are you for Steph Curry and LeBron James around?
2: Oh, yeah. Very excited for LeBron and Steph to go at it. I'm not going to pick Golden State to represent the West in the NBA Finals. I, look, it did take seven games against Sacramento, and Sacramento's a good offensive team, and Golden State, they won on the road in a way where they weren't really able to do so, right? This is something that they've struggled with all season long, and in Game 7, they took advantage of it. But Sacramento... I do think playoff experience is a thing. And if Sacramento just doesn't have it anywhere, think of all their key contributors. De'Aaron Fox, first time he's here. DeMontis Sabonis has some experience with Indiana. But not to this caliber, this kind of pressure. Not with him having that type of role, especially against such a great opponent. Now, he's been in big-time series but not with him, clearly, you know, not an all-NBA caliber player like he was this past year. Malik Monk, he got it a little bit with the Lakers as far as what big-time basketball was, but here you are as a three-seed. All that to say, the Lakers aren't going to be like that. You know, LeBron, he's won a few times. Anthony Davis, he does have an NBA championship. And remember, he played well against the Miami Heat when they did win at the bubble. So, I yeah, I'm going to... It's tough. I don't know who's going <laughs> to win between those two. I wouldn't say that Golden State's the favorite to win the mm-hmm. West though. I wouldn't say they're the favorite.
1: Uh I go Golden State to win this series. I'm still going to stick with Phoenix because I'm not going to waver. I'm going to stick with Phoenix to win the West as I've I have it been didn't look great. thinking yeah. they did not look great and it's a big game tonight. I believe it's game 2 yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, but my level of excitement for Curry and LeBron is through the roof. I mean, this is what you want to see. Two guys kind of on the back nine of their careers, two of the all-time greatest, arguably the two greatest of our generation. Uh, I know my son was pretty mad, though. He was pretty upset because of the times of the games of the series. Oh, that's why he mad. said the NBA needs to think about kids. You're you going to let him schedule. stay up just a little bit? No, not that then? late. 1030, man, please. Yeah, it's a little too late. <laughs> he's like, man, the NBA, my son can go on epic rant. Yeah. And he's like, the NBA needs to think about kids mm-hmm. when they're doing these schedules. Do you ever have any
2: of those <laughs> moments, though, where you let him say, if, if it was, what's the
1: cutoff where he's allowed to stay past his bedtime? What well, the thing is, he's such a. He's a big – he's not as big a sports fan as I was at his age. Like, I'm begging to stay up for games at his age. But he's not quite like that. Now, last night we were watching Bruins, the Bruins game. So it goes – it leaks into his bedtime well over – But at this point, we've been watching this 6.30. We're invested. He wants to see. I give him a little bit of leeway. I said, all right, man, you can finish the game.
2: I used to be scared. And this was only for really the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. And it was during Final Four when, you know, that championship game is going to be tipping very late. I was always scared. I was like, Mom, please. And And to her credit, she never forced me to go to bed early enough. She's like, look, Walker, I understand. You can stay up from tip. It's so one shining moment and it'll all be okay. And so she but would you better
1: be ready to get up yeah, that yeah. next morning. Yeah. No complaining Dur- during
2: the breaks, during the breaks, every single time I'd be like, mom, are you sure? And she, she'd get mad at me. say, like, "Walk <laughs> if you ask me again, I'm sending you to bed, but no, yeah. I was all, that was the one I yeah. needed to watch. That's the, the
1: caveat. I give them. If you ready, I said, I don't want to hear nothing when I get up in Cause I've taken them to wrestling before during the weekday and we've gotten up. Evan, <laughs> yeah. You know, Got in the bed at 1130, something like that. And I'm like, but you better be ready in the morning. I don't want to hear any complaining. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Derek Brown, going to continue to be a Panther as they pick up his option. But they did not pick up the option on another player. Who is that? We're going to talk about that more. This is Wes and Walk. McDonald's is not new to chicken.
2: Listening to Weson Walker on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ, continuing to talk about the NFL draft, the Carolina Panthers not only making moves this weekend via the selection process, but they also had some contract business to tend to. The Panthers picked up the fifth-year option on defensive tackle Derek Brown. They did not do so, however. For cornerback C.J. Henderson, 2020 first rounder that they traded for in 2021, they traded a third round pick and Dan Arnold. Yes, the great reign that Dan Arnold had on this team as the tight end. They traded both of those assets in order to get C.J. Henderson, who was not good last year. And I think that's one of the things you can look at here, Wes, as one of the biggest weaknesses going into the season. It's their lack of cornerback depth. Safety depth, I think you kind of like especially with Jeremy oh, yeah. chin you could loaded, put him yeah. back and you even have a Jamie Robinson. Maybe he's someone that sees the field. I actually like Sam Franklin as a depth piece, right? Somebody that's good at special teams or on special teams, but also I think you can put him back there in the defensive backfield and feel pretty good about it. So their safety depth is good. Cornerback depth. If you have one of the so far injury riddled players go down and JC Horn, who both seasons has experienced injuries and Dante Jackson, who also is not the healthiest player in the world. That's the worst thing for me. I think if you're looking at the biggest weakness here, Wes, I think it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to the defensive line, specifically edge rusher. I shouldn't say defensive line overall, but specifically edge rusher, because even if you do have an on-man front, time and time again, we see that a Jero Avero is going to mix it up. You will see plenty of four-man down fronts that you have. So can you get somebody outside like Brian Burns or just opposite of him to feel comfortable with. Even with that being said, I still think cornerback is the biggest weakness because if somebody goes down, man, we just saw how ugly it can get yeah. if you don't have J.C. or Dante Jackson out there, and you're not even the biggest fan of Dante Jackson.
1: No, I'm not a big fan of Dante Jackson. I think he is the weak link in that secondary because even with his amazing starters. speed, that he he can be beaten. He's had, he has been uh, several times, and so I thought that in the draft, if you had a chance to address that need at that other cornerback, maybe you do that, but as far as just them... Uh, they they missed on C J Henderson. I would love to see the stat on how many first rounders they get cut by their former teams, go to another team and, and flourish. Because I'm not a big fan. I, I think I know you can get in the wrong system. I know you cannot have the proper coaching. And I'm sure there's been guys that have revived their careers. But the C J Henderson deal, I think when you flop as bad as he did. I'm just not a big fan of that because it's like that's coaching staff ego saying, okay, we can do something with him. The other one did not. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of felt like that wasn't going to work from the beginning because I had seen all the things that people had said about him. So I just didn't feel like that was a great move in the first place. So um Yeah, say so, but them picking up the 50 option on Derek Brown. I think is uh, obviously a great move for them, and they're obviously going to be working on something long-term for him that's going to be a massive contract. So if you see the
2: projected depth chart, Derek Brown is expected to be the starting defensive end at an odd-man front. You can leave him on the field four-man. So you like Derek Brown. What do you think about the versatility, this new role, how it suits a Derrick Brown, asking a little more from him with Vero as the D.C.?
1: Uh, I think that... He should be able to do well. I think he's a two-gap player. Obviously, we talked about that when they first put this defense in. I don't think he's a, a nose guard by any stretch, but he can play that. But I think two-gap is where he thrives the most. And I think as a 3-4 defensive end, he's going to provide some versatility there because he has the size. He has the requisite athleticism to be able to make moves out there and uh, to be able to play on tackles and, and make plays in the backfield and be that game record that the Panthers are hoping for him to be. We saw a lot of positive signs going in that direction last year, so now is the time for him to step up and, and go even further to that next level, to that KK short level, mm-hmm. dare I say. Mm-hmm. It'd be- Multi, you know, pro bowl type of guy.
2: That'd be fantastic. That would be great. And I think Derek Brown, It's what a different conversation we're having about him this time compared to if you were to just go back one year ago, how were we discussing Derrick Brown? You might be discussing just how much they need to draft a defensive tackle, right? If if you saw similar play from him in his third year in the NFL, then we could have been looking at a defensive tackle a ton in this selection process. Right. And really it wasn't anything we were looking at and until, you know, first, second, third round picks. We weren't looking at DT, not nearly as much as even linebacker, cornerback, edge rusher, receiver, not, and if Derek Brown didn't work out, yeah, we absolutely could have been doing that, so such a huge improvement from him, man it it really leaves this team in a great spot, and even with your point being proven here, discussing just how much you just wondering how much it might work for a team that trades a first round pick and then how much that first round pick has success with the team that traded for him, you could have done that with Derek. I mean, you could have, but you stuck with him, and eventually he figured it out, so we'll see just how all of this comes to fruition next regular season. 704-570-9610. Let's take a phone call. Charles dialed in. Charles, we appreciate you dialing in, What up, in, Charles? Man. How are you? Oh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, questions. Well, two of them. Dante Jackson, do you think he could move to safety with Chen? Oh, no. And the other question is, What did you think? I'm an LSU guy. Boutte. I know he dropped. I know all the knocks. But do you think he'll end up being a legitimate pro guy and very good? Yeah, we appreciate the phone call, Charles. I think with Dante Jackson, he's just too small. I cornerback is what is best suited for him. And honestly, when he was phrasing that question – I thought he was going to say, do you think you move him to the nickel? And then find that's somebody what I thought he was say too, right. Because that has been experimented with, or at least it's been a talking point for quite some time. But no, just too small, right? Like that's just not what is suited best for Dante Jackson. Plus, man, this is not the time. Even if you thought he had that ability, which I don't think he does. But now you're talking about Von Bell, Xavier Woods, Sam Franklin, Jamie Robinson, and Jeremy Chin. That, that's your safety room right now. I don't think you're going to be adding to it.
1: Yeah, I would say the size, it depends if you put him at free safety because, granted, it was a Hall of Fame player, but Aeneas Williams played really well wow. <laughs> at the free safety position, and he was around the same size as Dante when you talk about that 5'8", 190. So you can play back there, but I just think for me it's the durability, and you can point that towards the size there, but just his durability, it it's a more – it's about as physical position, but to me it's a little bit more violent in the distance that you come from. With mm-hmm. the cornerback, you know, if you are, if the play is coming your way, you have to deal with the receiver, get off and make the play. Where at safety, you're coming down here flying, so it's a much more violent, high-speed collision there, so... I'd say no, and then who was the second guy you said? So he was, about, you. he was talking about he was
2: talking about Keishawn Butte, okay. the wide receiver out of LSU. Okay, did not test well at the combine. Was he went one, to the Patriots. Yep, in the sixth round was one of the higher high school recruits coming out ranked by twenty four seven Sports. Second wide receiver in his class, twenty fourth overall. A fantastic player, but the combine did not do him any favors. I know there were some issues. I, I don't want to say that they were off the field issues, but there was definitely some system adjustment problems for him where people were saying hey this is a guy that is talented okay even if the combine doesn't say so if it can't work out with the patriots then i believe that would be the last straw and plus i think a lot of stuff is said already about him if you're drafted in the sixth round after that kind of talent so i'm cool with carolina not taking a flyer on him and deciding to go with some of the other players that they selected mingo at 39 jamie robinson um later on in the fifth round I, I, I'm i not looking at any of these prospects, Wes, and saying, oh man, I really wish they would have looked at Bute a little more, because there are other receivers, right? Like Jaden Reed is somebody out of Michigan State I liked, Josh Downs, he fell, Tank Dell, I know you liked him, there are plenty of other receivers that I would pine for more so than Bute.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go through the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds and say guys that you would and wouldn't take, because... If the NFL teams knew that these guys mm-hmm. were going to be stars, they'd be drafted a lot higher. This guy could go to New England and flourish, and he could go and not flourish. That's the hard part about those late rounds. You fall for a specific reason. He failed because he he didn't fall. And when you watch, uh, he failed because he didn't fall. Lord have mercy. But, you know, he <laughs> fell for a reason. When you look at the stats of LSU, nothing blows your way. I mean, 16 career touchdowns in three seasons, four recruit. His best year was actually his freshman year when he had 45 catches for 735 yards and five scores. Now, he had 48 this year but a lot less yardage. So we'll see what he does. I mean, like I said, fifth fifth through seventh, man, is where the scouts earn their money, in my opinion, because you really have to be on point to pick a star.
2: All right, so cornerback, edge rusher, we can all agree. Those are some issues. Feel free to tell us if there's anything else we're forgetting on the Garage Door Guru text line, or you can call in. Again, the number is the same, 704-570-9610. I wanted to talk a little more about the edge rusher because Frank Reich and Mel Kuyper had some pieces about dj johnson here's frank reich first the head coach speaking about one of the new edge rushers they have and discussing whether he thinks they have a starter opposite brian burns yes um yes we are and we will uh very confident in that you know think it'll be competitive right I mean that, that's what we want to do we want to create competition at every spot nothing's a given when you're a new staff you know that that's a luxury that you're afforded even more than normal everybody knows that we're all on notice right everybody knows that this is a fresh start for everybody so
1: I think you you play off that excitement you open it up to compete for that spot and that's what we'll do
2: So just to clarify, I don't know if he was referring to D.J. Johnson as the starter with that kind of conviction. He was just saying, we have a starter opposite of Brian Burns on this roster, and that's what he was speaking to. What did you make of the confidence there from the head coach and Frank
1: Reich? I mean, I think they have to be confident in him to an extent else they wouldn't have drafted him. There's a lot to like there. We talked about it earlier, the size and the speed. As I said, can he learn to uh, get shifty with those hands and really add a pass rushing repertoire that can really take him to the next level? But as far as you having a great foundation to start with with this kid, I mean, it's all there. The potential is definitely there. You're talking about a kid 260 pounds running four or five range. The kid can really move. He's a tremendous athlete. He plays with the tenacity. And one thing I like that that I read about him in his draft evaluation is that he has a high motor. And I think that's so key for guys on the line. If you get that trait, that's a tremendous starting point right there is if you have a guy that's going to play hard. So Mm -hmm. I think for a kid like that with the physical gifts that he has, if he's going to come in and go 100 miles an hour every snap, You can coach some of the mistakes out of him, and I think that will take him to another level. So the Panthers have an opportunity here, and I'm not just saying it. You know, researching him, as I said, I love the fact that he's valued as a high motor player, especially at his size. And so I think if they can coach him up, We talked about it earlier, learning karate with those hands and being able to really add some moves. I think they could have something here.
2: Yeah, because I I think this is the most criticized move. I know you're not in love with Jonathan Mingo, given some of the wide receivers that were also there at 39. But the potential certainly is there with Mingo. On a consensus, or at least when you widen this thing out, it doesn't seem like Mingo is the most criticized. It does seem like DJ Johnson is, because not only did you draft someone that wasn't projected to go 93 overall, you traded up, you moved up 13 spots to go select somebody as still raw as he is at number 80, because you felt a little pressured with the run of defensive ends going off of the board. Here's Mel Kuyper of ESPN giving you his draft day evaluation as soon as they announced DJ Johnson was the pick.
0: Brian Burns, patting yourself after Brian Burns, learn be a sponge because the pass rush ability, the potential was there, the results weren't on a consistent basis the trait, the physical trait DJ Johnson has, a 6'4", 260 really has yet to put all that together yet on the football field, the power to jolt offensive linemen, set the edge he can do that, the speed as a rusher off the edge, he shows flashes of that the versatility to line up in a variety of ways he can do that, six sacks with the Oregon Ducks this past season, eight and a half tackles for a Had some decent games. Washington State, I was impressed there. Cal had a nice game there with a couple sacks, but when you have that kind of talent and that kind of physical and athletic ability in the Pac-12, the numbers should be a lot higher.
2: So that was, sorry if the sound in the background was a little fuzzy to try to make out what Mel Kuyper said, but overall, pretty good breakdown. I also wanted to play this from Lewis Riddick. We were going to play it earlier, so if you don't mind getting Lewis Riddick's draft day evaluation ready to go. Here's what Lewis Riddick had to say when he was watching Oregon defensive tape.
1: Every time I was
0: watching Noah Sewell, B.J. Johnson showed up on the screen. You always saw number two flashing. Because of his body type, because of his length, because of his competitive temperament, He will fit in well down there in Carolina.
2: I like that soundbite. For me, when you're watching somebody else and then a different player keeps popping up on tape, when he was mentioning watching Noah Sewell, trying to get the evaluation on Sewell, and then there's DJ Johnson constantly showing up because of that motor. And if you watch his tape, if you look at his highlights, I think you could either view this glass half full or glass half empty. Okay, a lot of the tape, a lot of the highlights show Motor sacks, right? He just doesn't give up on a play, and then he's going and making – he's giving up or making plays in the second level. I mean, you see that a decent amount with him not being able to get – the initial move, correct, and then getting the QB. But then you see him making the play because he doesn't quit. So you either view, okay, love the motor, doesn't quit, has the traits to maybe get to the quarterback with the initial moves, or you view it as, well, wait, why isn't he getting there in the first place? And it seems like you are more so giving him credit for the latter, as is a Lewis Riddick and maybe even Mel Kuyper.
1: Well, as I said, this is a kid that's still relatively new to the position. I mean, like I said, we talked about, went to Miami, transferred to Oregon, COVID shortened season, moved to tight end, then moved back defense and then he, he was starting to flash so i think the panthers like a lot of the potential that he has there and so when you talk about the the main thing i think that's going to help him get on the field first is just his ability at the point of attack just to blow a guy up this is a 260 pound guy sitting on that edge that's six foot four and oh yeah he had 28 bench press reps which is pretty doggone strong for a guy down down that line. So he's going to rock you when he he gets those hands on you. It's just the next step for him is just playing with a little bit more leverage and also, as I said, just being able to do a little bit more with his hands on pass rushing downs, but also on rundowns too. But he does a pretty effective job of shedding blockers to get to the plays in the running game it's just can you improve him that much more as a pass rusher so he has the potential to be one of those guys that's a a, a NFL bloomer that's going to give you a little bit more than what he did in college and so he does uh, make plays behind the line he had eight tackles for loss so as I said we'll see but this is a guy that definitely has big uh, boom or bust potential
2: all right I think this next 50 flash is going to be a boom I don't think it's going to be a bust, but there's only one way to find out. Fitty, you tell me. How good is this Fitty Flash going to be?
3: We have some controversy. Uh Uh, Today, Wells Fargo Championship had the Celebrity Putting Challenge. And according to T-Bone, Wesley Walls, and now I have a link of it uh, from Queen City News, where Wesley Walls, former Carolina Panther, he won it raising $50,000 for Alexander Youth Homes. But I got a tweet or a text from Flounder because I asked where Kyle Bailey. Well, howdy there, y'all. Kyle Bailey here. Where he finished. Bailey finished third with Greg Olson, but he also said that Brian Blakely from uh, Queen City News that he won. So we don't really know who won. Wait, so who is the source
2: on Wesley Walls and Flounder is the source on Brian Blakely is what you're saying?
3: Yeah, no, Bones sent me a tweet. From Grace Grill over there at Queen City News with Wesley Walls being announced as the winner. But Flounder has a text saying that Bailey said that Blakely won and he works for Queen City News. So maybe some drama over there in the Queen City News
2: building. All right. So I don't want to put Kyle to work any more so. But if he's listening out there.
3: He only works three hours.
2: We've seen him walking past the glass just a couple times. Maybe he can stop in a little earlier and then put the kibosh on the controversy that was the celebrity putting challenge. Speaking of Kyle Bailey, by the way, going to be speaking to Scott Fitter at 320. So not only should you stay tuned anyway, but he is going to be speaking with Scott Fitter at 320 later on today. One more segment to go for us, though, right here on Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
1: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
2: a good question on us during the break i agree with wes but he does not the question from wes was do you think mel kuyper should be in the college football hall of fame no, or just in the
1: NFL the pro football hall of fame
2: pro football hall of fame yes i have no problem with it i think mel kuyper creating the business that he did i know gil brandt before you yell at me is the father of nfl scouting i get it but mel kuyper a lot of people are able to eat off of the draft day business that and what it's become because Mel Kuyper decided to be the nerd that he is and look at all sorts of college prospects and try to project them at the next level. Plus, I love Mel Kuiper, man. I think he's awesome. Put him in the hall of fame. You agree, West.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that like I said, he has a lot of sons out here. As you mm-hmm. said, he created jobs for a lot of people, man, the research and how he works year by year for 40 years dedicating his life to this craft. It is crazy. No doubt about it. I, I think he should have his place in camp.
2: No Hall of Fame for you, though, Fitty, right? You're saying Mo Kuiper needs to be on the outside looking
3: in? Look at how wrong that guy has been. I uh, know. No, don't even do this. because well, the, no, What are you saying? Are you, saying? are you saying wrong? The greatest of the great. This guy has been wrong more often than he's been right.
1: But I think that that's a, that
2: was zero basis.
1: Yeah, oh, I think crap. that's a I think that's an easy take. Like, are you saying he's wrong in where they're gonna get picked, or he's wrong in his evaluations? Because I think his evaluations of the players are pretty good. Yeah. But as far as where they're gonna get picked, that's impossible. You know and what? I,
2: had, I know people are about to write in Jimmy Clausen. Yeah. Like had, that's never gonna fail. Had
3: he retired like he said he would? Let me tell you something. If I ever say I'm gonna retire if something happens,
2: Vidi, I'm pretty sure you did. Maybe even earlier today.
3: I. I <laughs> I'm going to hold myself true to that. Okay. Okay. The guy, look, he cares a lot about what he does. But there's a reason he had to do it at ESPN because he couldn't hack into the NFL. There's no reason that guy should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame wow just be honest with ourselves
2: here. So i i'm i am being completely honest with my takes i don't even because well,
1: do well, speaking of how junky is we can be the would you like the top five for the 2024 mm-hmm. nfl draft all right i yeah.
2: love it yeah i like i like punishing fitty's bad take with yeah. more draft talk yeah. in 2024 yeah so let's talk about the top five yeah, i give way it to too you early respect. 2024 i give prospect. it to
1: you i'm looking at cbs right now and very interesting first round first pick number one to the cardinals Caleb Williams. Yeah. Wow. Check that out. That'd be crazy. Then they got first-round pick number two to the Cardinals. <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. at two. Number three, they have going to the Colts. Aluma Iwa Fashanu okay. from Penn State. Uh, this is an offensive tackle, I believe. Then Drake May going fourth to the Washington Commanders. So not even second or third. And then Joe Alt going to the Titans. Fifth. And then also notable names, Brock Brow is at 6. Jared Burst from FSU at 7.
2: Okay, so there's your top seven for the top 24, mm-hmm. uh, 2024 NFL draft prospects going into next season. You can text us, photo finish text messages if you want to, 704-570-9610. All right, Fitty, tell us what happened on this day in sports history come nineteen eighty.
3: All right. I was trying to kind of follow up what happened yesterday with Steph Curry's legendary performance. On this day in 1988, the GOAT Michael Jordan became the first player to score 50 or more points in consecutive playoff games when he drilled Cleveland for 55 points in Chicago's (laughs) 106-101 victory in Game 2. and Game 1, he scored 50 points in the Bulls' 104-93 win. And I know we kind of talked about this when we talked about Steph earlier in the hour but this led me to the question of what is the best playoff performance you remember watching as a fan of whatever team you support so for the the Hornets, there isn't one for you, Walker. Maybe you have one, Wes Bryant. Or just <laughs> in the NBA playoffs
1: I've as got, a whole. I've got a Hornets performance. But one I, I well, wanted DJ to ask, But no. one I wanted to ask was drilled in the actual yes. text that you copied and pasted.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question.
1: Because I was like, Fitty probably said this that <laughs> to bring home the point of Michael Jordan yeah. and just how dominant he was. That's right. All right, so did you have any playoff performances um, that you remember first man, and foremost? Oh, uh, Kobe against the Pacers when Shaq went out of the game and he had to hurt ankle and he told the crowd to calm down and won it for the Lakers in overtime and route to their first championship. Um, then, like I said, I, I had to give it up to LeBron in Game 7, the block and all the stuff that he did and Kyrie's Ooh. performance. Those are a couple that come to mind. Um, How about Jimmy
2: Butler and what he just did to Milwaukee? I mean...
3: Much recency bias. Oh, but
2: but okay, and we can start to go back. And I know you've got some Jimmy Butler takes for us, Wes Bryant. <laughs> yeah, but Jimmy Butler's playoff performance against Milwaukee as an eight seed—I mean, it really might be the biggest first-round upset of all time.
3: Well, it, it helps when you get literally every single call to go your way against New York, maybe. Yeah, but and, against and Milwaukee, against the, you were
2: not saying that, dude, and You watch the game. You thought it was you, a
3: foul. You watch the game. You have just
2: been complaining just turned, even more so than turned. usual. You were gassing Jimmy Butler up against Seriously. Milwaukee, and now you're mad. If you really think about it, though, yes, recency bias, of course, but but it really just might be the biggest postseason upset that we've seen in a 1-8 scenario. No, I don't think uh, so. Tell
3: me who.
1: The Believe Warriors was, was – That was that was crazy when the, when the Nuggets beat Sean Kemp and the Sonics back in the See, day, 8-1. That we, was the first 8-1, I believe. It was. See, I knew you were going to
2: say that, but – I don't think the Nuggets, I think they had enough talent to justify that as well. Like Milwaukee, with Giannis being injured, okay, it's the right. one to bring up, but also they still beat them when they Giannis the was out there on the floor. Strength. Yeah, but, well, yeah, but they had Giannis too with Milwaukee. He was there and Miami beat them in the two games that he played. So it's even with Giannis on the floor, Jimmy going crazy. I'm just saying, it's up there in conversation. Yeah. I would also say um, some Reggie Miller shots for me, just being a Pacers fan as well. Reggie Miller the shots. Bulls. Yeah. The Reggie the Miller Bulls. performances. Those were uh, fantastic to see the Pacers go deep into those postseasons. Also, I'll say Allen Iverson, 0-1, getting his team to the finals. The first game, game one. Game one. Yeah. But also even in the, uh, the Toronto Raptors series, AI and VC going at it, Vince Carter misses a, a corner three to eventually lose that series.
3: This might be a bad question. Mm-hmm. What is LeBron's greatest playoff performance? Is it Game 6 in the Boston Garden with the Heat? Oh, yeah, or, I or, forgot or, to say or that. Is it that Game 7 cuz that Game 6 for me like
1: oh, as was a LeBron was hater. I was there for it. That was ill. I'm not going to lie. I wanted I I can't believe I forgot that. I thought that the Heat were done. And that performance was just insanity. He left no doubt about it. I'd have to put that probably Besides Steph, those are probably the two greatest performances I've seen in my era besides that Kobe game.
2: Now, people will talk about the game one performance LeBron had against Golden State where he went for 44 points, and he was the one that had to do it because of some of the injuries. Yeah, that... but they
1: lost it. That was game one. Oh, but, but it, was it was ill, though. Oof, I mean. It was, but over time, he if, wasn't that
2: great. If, 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 if you look at that performance from LeBron James, a lot of pundits will tell you that's the best playoff game they've ever seen played.
1: I'm te- that's that's the one. It was crazy, but then overtime, he didn't do much, though. That's the thing that mm-hmm. takes away from it for me, though. Overtime, he wasn't that great.
3: Was that the greatest individual performance we've ever seen by a guy in the finals? Like
1: That's what I'm saying. It
3: was it was him and Matthew Delavidocle <laughs> out there trying to guard <laughs> Wait, the Wait, you talking about that one?
1: I thought you were talking about the game one when, um, when they came back and won. So so no 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 they lost.
2: They they lost but LeBron went for 51 yeah, points. Yeah, I remember was that. was 19 yeah. of That's 32. not that series. This uh, was 50. 2018. Yeah. No, know, but well, we can look this up real quick. They lost in
1: 5 cuz that's when KD came down and but, hit the yeah, shot.
2: Be, but yeah, because Cleveland had nothing, yeah. right? And but
1: in I, OT cuz that's the game when he sat on the bench and everybody was saying how he sat away from the team and JR Smith made the dumb mistake. But right, but yeah. if, so it
2: was the JR Smith game and they didn't have any Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving was not suited up for that game one. Yeah. And that's why people will tell you that might be the best game they've seen anybody play in the postseason. We're getting some text, some photo finish text here. Hornets Ron saying the Alonzo shot against Boston.
1: Oh, yeah. How could we forget? Well, it's, it's the best. It's the best. Postseason but that's shot. Because I was going to say the yeah. LJ shot when he played for the Knicks uh, when he hit that big shot.
2: Um, if you want to go NFL playoffs, which Jesse has decided to do, and you want to <laughs> go local. He said when Ricky Manning Jr. had three interceptions against Philly in the NFC Championship game. Mm. So that's a good local one. Just going to a different sport there and then uh, looking at some other Joe ones. Montana
1: every Super Bowl, and we
2: want to do that. <laughs> that's right. Oh. All right, before we move on. <laughs> Steve I, Young as well. I did ask for Kyle Bailey to join us really the last minute or so to talk about the Celebrity Putt Challenge where you were listed at number putt, putt. You got third place, right? Yeah. yeah, Well, howdy
0: there, y'all. Kyle Bailey
2: here. We had some. We had some controversy. With what you got, some information you got, Fiddy. Why don't you set the scene again and stop winking at Kyle? Oh, say something. What you got?
3: Oh, I'll say something. Uh, So, (laughs) Flounder texted, because I was asking, wanting to know where you finished. I needed some flash material. Yeah. And he said that Bailey said he finished third with Greg Olson. I think, yeah. But you also said that Brian Blakely won the event. Well, Will Spargo has claimed Wesley Walls as the winner. No, no, I said Wesley Walls. What I said was Brian Blakely crushed it.
0: Wow. There were like four dudes that finished with 18 was par right there's nine whole course Uh, the two was par on every course max was three right so Blakely was crushing it but so was Wesley Walls so they were two of like four in the final group together Um, I was pissed because your boy had like two gimmies I was crushing it man crushing it like i was par 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 hit a hole in one on one of the tougher holes and then i had two blown opportunities that would have put me in that final group like what me and greg olsen were sitting there just cussing ourselves together about how many blown opportunities we had greg actually rebounded greg had a terrible start and then was hot down the stretch (laughs) and and i was i was cruising and then let two gimme putts i actually did i posted one on my instagram i missed one inside of two feet that would have given me. Oh no! No, I did. I yeah, looked, it it lived out. It lived out.
2: I can feel the anger that from was, you too. I was so mad. I was so <laughs> no. mad. All right, Kyle has more from you on his mm. experience out there and at Well Hollow. Then,
0: and then, I had like a third. We all had the same 30 foot putt for a hundred thousand dollars. Missed it inside of two inches. Size I got the matters. video. I got the video. I know, almost in hand grenades and horseshoes. I get all that, but no, still, I was
2: mad. 100K being two inches away—that's pretty tough. Yes, yeah, Matt. All right, that's Kyle Bailey. You can listen to him in just a moment. By the way, Scott Fitterer joining him at 3:20, so stay tuned and don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
0: No, you got to have some balls.